Why don't you like this? I'm Molly. And I'm Seb. And this is our podcast. When we first met, we thought we were basically the same person, united by our love of cassette tapes and indie movies and graphic t-shirts and bad books. But three years in, we've realised that we have just as many differences. And that's what this podcast is about. Each episode, we'll be diving into a topic, exploring why one of us likes it, and more importantly, asking the other... Why don't you like this? So this is episode two. In episode one, we went into The Simpsons. I think we came to the conclusion that a good way to end an episode isn't to try and convince a person to like it, but to sort of understand why they don't like it, and for them to reach an understanding of why you like it. Yeah, and we've been listening to feedback from some of our friends, some of the people that Seb works with in like the illustration industry, I guess. And um, it's all been fairly positive. Yeah, people seem to like it. So we thought, you know, give it another shot, see how this one goes down, because it seems that we could be onto something with this. People seem to enjoy us moaning and complaining about issues that aren't really important. But um, So I edited the podcast last time, and what I realised is that Molly speaks louder than I do. So at the moment we've got the mic slightly closer to my face. But maybe one day we'll get a proper microphone. Um, <laughs> for anyone that doesn't know, we record this on an iPad. So it's pretty impressive, really, that we've been able to do all of this on an iPad. So this time next year we'll be millionaires. <laughs> So in this, our follow-up episode, we're going to be looking at Only Fools and Horses, a show that Molly loves and a show that I just have never really understood. So we've watched three episodes of Only Fools and Horses, which I'll admit we did have the whole box set of Only Fools and Horses on DVD. But my mum, for some reason, took one of my drawers out of my bedroom. It had all my DVDs that I owned in it, and all the DVDs were absolutely soaking because she had just pulled the drawers out. And they'd sat in the garden for a year. Yeah, so this box set that I probably spent like 35 quid on, completely ruined. So we had to go on to Netflix, watch probably three episodes from like must have been the later series is. I think it was three, four and then the specials that were available on there. Yeah there was only two seasons and then the specials that were available so realistically it isn't a whole look at Only Fools and Horses, more of a look at the ones that are quite notable. I guess that is even because we only had the first six seasons of The Simpsons to work with. You know, my favourite episode is Hurricane Neddy and we just didn't have access to it. That's true and I guess I would have wanted to show Seb some of the later project of Rock and Chips, but I just couldn't find it online. I'm pretty sure I have a DVD of it somewhere, but it's I don't. It's not on Netflix. It's not on Netflix, but it's like a, almost like a full length movie, and we've watched pretty much three full length movies today worth of Only Fools. Yeah, so I think I've watched enough to get a gist. Yeah, but anyway, we're going to be talking about Only Fools and Horses. We're going to be talking about my personal background with Only Fools and Horses, Only Fools and Horses in pop culture, in like British pop culture specifically, and I guess depth of the characters on Only Fools and Horses. And I think I'd also quite like to discuss it in the context of classic British sitcoms because I've always considered it just sort of in that same category as Felty Towers and Dad's Army or whatever. Just old British sitcoms that I never really watched. But I was reading about it and quite interestingly David Jason never referred to Only Fools and Horses as a sitcom. He always preferred to call it a comedy drama. That's fair I guess. I guess there's probably a negative connotation with sitcom. Yeah. That most sitcoms are a bit sure. But anyway, we're going to be diving into that this episode.
So we watched The Jolly Boys Outing, we watched Modern Men, and then we watched an episode that I've never seen before, which looked like it must have been filmed maybe in like the late 90s to early 2000s. It was a weird one because it kind of felt like a clip show at the beginning half, and then the second half it was him going on a game show. It was it was a confusing episode. Yeah, I feel like because there was such a lack of choice on Netflix, for some reason I thought they'd gone on to a um, Japanese game show, but that obviously Obviously, that's in The Simpsons that I was getting that confused with. I mean, he does go on to a game show in that episode. So, I started off with deciding that we're going to watch Jolly Boys Outing, because I think out of all the episodes, I think that's the most funny. I think it's got more comedic tones to it. Although it is quite heartwarming, I feel like it is majority funny. I mean, I'll go straight in and say that was the only one I liked at all. At all? At all. Yeah, I think that one, every time I watch it, it's so like I really remember watching that episode at my grandparents' house, and like every time I watch it, I just always laugh. So, what did you like about that episode? Um, I don't know. I, I even on that one, I wouldn't say I necessarily liked it. But I didn't dislike it either. Whereas the other two episodes, I really didn't enjoy at all. I found that that was the only likable episode of the three. So, when we're watching something where I guess. Because with me, literally anything makes me cry. So when we're watching The Simpsons, Seb could kind of gist how I was feeling because I did cry. Whereas with Seb, it's so hard to read him. Yeah, I was deliberately not giving anything off so that you wouldn't know going in how I felt about them. Yeah. So run through with me why you think that one stood out as a good one compared to the other ones. Um, I think the key moment for it was when they were on the Beano and they were sat at the end of the pier or something. Thing. Oh. And he was saying, you know, you got to keep trying. And I don't know, it didn't even... I, I understand, I guess, what he says about not describing it as a sitcom. It was a very melancholy moment. Oh, what, when it was Del Boy and Rodney on the pier talking? Yeah. I'd say the whole show has a melancholy tone, or at least that's what I would want from it, is that melancholy tone. Because I think I have a problem with the humour of it. It's formulaic, and it's frustrating to watch a show where I know what the joke is going to be before the joke's even happened every time there was no point where I wasn't surprised by the joke that came about. So I think that episode maybe gave me what I would want if I was watching the show. Yeah, but when like whenever I watch that, I always forget that that happens in it because I think the jokes in that one... They're just funny when he's talking about Eels on Wheels and he's saying that he could have been a millionaire because Eels on Wheels really could have clicked with the public. But that television and stuff making fish human what killed Eels on Wheels and I think that's just funny because it's just ridiculous but I didn't see it as necessarily a ridiculous moment because I don't think the character sees what he's saying as ridiculous I think it's almost sort of a tragic character portrait of someone that almost doesn't believe the words he's saying but wants to believe them and wants to believe that one day they'll be millionaires even though maybe he knows it's not really the truth I don't think as a character though that is kind of what they're trying to portray I think as a character Del Boy I think he's so insecure that he's over the top all the time because he's such an insecure character he's probably insecure about his masculinity he's insecure in life he hasn't got a proper job he's insecure in like his love life he's never got a solid figure until Raquel comes in he's insecure with the fact that family members close to him die I think 
in terms of just being a person, although he comes across very charismatic and confident, I think he's playing to that and he's doing that because he is insecure. Because, like, I would say growing up I didn't relate to him very much, but I'd say now I I can see myself in him in the way that even the decor in the flat, that is exactly what I would like yeah, our flat to look like. And I feel like, you know, some of the stuff I wear, some of the stuff maybe it's like an expression of something because I'm a bit insecure inside and that's not saying he's probably more insecure than the ordinary person but I feel like he doesn't have the faith in him as you would expect him to have but when he's saying these things with the bravado to sort of trying to overpower his self-consciousness I guess do you think he believes the things that he's saying or do you think he's just putting on a front I think he's putting on a front so a bit of background for you. I wouldn't say Seb comes from a really well-off family, but they live in Brighton and they've got a nice house. Yeah, it's an affluent up-and-coming city. I mean, not even up-and-coming anymore. It's... No, like, their house is probably worth a bit. It's a four-bedroom house in Brighton Yeah. with street parking. Like, you're not going to find that. So... When I feel like whenever I'm with them, I always try and make myself seem posher than I am. Do you reckon? Yeah, I always talk a bit differently, no cuss words, everything is just stronger words, like longer words. And like, I feel myself having a different persona that I like to portray to them. And I feel like that's what Delboy does to the rest of the world because he's grown up somewhere where it is quite rough. Like, I grew up somewhere which was quite rough. I feel like he's overcompensating for the fact that he's from somewhere that's rough you know his friends aren't well off but he's p- trying to portray to the world that you know he's better than the place that he comes from do you like him as a character i think as a character he's i think he's got his flaws i think he can be quite selfish sometimes he can be quite nasty to rodney but i think as a character he's not going to do any harm to anyone he doesn't do things badly intentioned like it's not in his nature to be mean or to be cruel because that's his nature he just sometimes is because he's a human being i don't know i didn't find him a likable character at all i thought he was consistently quite nasty quite selfish quite greedy um constantly just trying to get one up on the world by getting one over people at their expense selling people things that they know they don't that they know won't work pretending that a paint stripper is a hairdryer knowing that it's going to burn a man's scalp like that's that to me i don't know it seems like a character with a very loose moral compass and i i didn't find him likable at all for the most part i think there were a few moments where he came across very human and like i said in those sort of melancholy moments of the show but i I think particularly when the show is playing it as a straight sitcom, I found him a really unlikable character. But I think what it suggested is he's buying these stuff of companies and I reckon a lot of the time he doesn't know that something's faulty. He does though. Like otherwise he wouldn't be hiding from the doctor who he'd sold bad paint to. And he's deliberately telling Rodney, don't tell him that it's out of date. Yeah, that is true. But then just because someone does bad things as a profession, like you did a few days of telly sales. Yeah, I quit because I felt that it was a bad... But you weren't in a financial situation where you had to do that. But also, he... I get the... I mean, I suppose I don't know the whole context of it, but any time the idea of him getting a real job that's not wheeler dealing comes up, he seems very defensive and refuses to. So, background about Dale Boy... 
he was quite young. I think he must have been, like, in his 20s or something. Don't quote me on this. When his mum died and he had to provide for his little brother. And I guess that's the easy way to get into a thing when you don't have any skills. I suppose. But it doesn't seem like he's making a lot of money from it. But he must be to be able to afford that flat. I suppose. Yeah, that was something that I thought was really odd was that it didn't seem to know whether he had a comfortable life or not. Like, there were times when he couldn't afford £25 for the drinks. But also he's able to have, you know, a big bed... Um, and a pull down light switch and but he would have been able to get that a lot from the people who deal stuff like he would have been able to get it on the cheap down the market or I suppose from a wholesaler but I think I don't think he's a nasty character I don't think like I think realistically see it this way he provides for his granddad his granddad lives with him and his bellboy pays for everything and he pays for Rodney to stay there while he does his studies all of this so really I don't see you providing a house for your brother and your granddad I don't see him as like a bad person for just wanting to provide for his family and I think he can be cruel with what he says but I think as a character that's his personality like when me and you talk I kind of talk shit about you but not like in a jokey way not to be mean but I think that's what he does with Rodney like I guess Rodney's his security net Rodney's always there he doesn't have the significant other for the most part um which character do you think I liked the most um I reckon you liked Rodney the most yeah Rodney was the one character that I liked and even in the other two episodes I didn't like him that much but in the Jolly Boys episode I did like Rodney as a character but then I said for Halloween um me and Seb should go as Del Boy or Rodney because I feel like I'm quite a Del Boy character and Seb's quite a Rodney character Seb's long gangly I, I think and I'm short and chunky I think Del I think Rodney felt like a much more sincere character I said about I, I felt that Del Boy had kind of a nasty streak and I didn't I never really felt that with Rodney I felt like Rodney was kind of trying to do the right thing and although maybe he had to go along with what Del Boy was doing he was doing it for the love of his brother I don't think he was the one actively trying to get one over on people yeah no I don't think I think with the thing with Rodney is he's always well intentioned and I guess he was like an old school hipster like he did art he liked to read about like philosophy about different like teachings and stuff like he was kind of like an old school hipster I would say but I absolutely see more of myself in Rodney than I do in Del Boy that's what I mean that's probably why because yeah. he's alternative but do you like Del Boy more than Rodney I would say I like Del Boy because I feel like there's more of a human side to him where's Rodney I felt Rod- he doesn't talk about like his mum very much I suppose I feel like there is an episode where he talks about um which is something that you've told me before about your granddad Rodney says about when he lost his mum and he says you know I don't really remember life with her because I was so young when she died that it never really hit home too bad because I didn't know her as a person which I I feel like you said about your granddad that yeah that's true because you were in age where yeah, you were still developing yeah he died when I was 11 years old which is more than half my life ago now which like who really remembers much from before that you don't remember any conversations yeah no before that really so I feel like that was the first time I saw human side to Rodney but I feel like Del Boy talks about his mum more there seems like there's more love between Del and the mum and I guess that would have been because he would have been older than Rodney when they lost her but I just feel like there's that more human side to Del <sighs> And I guess it brings us into the next episode that we watched, the Modern Men episode, where Cassandra, who's Rodney's wife, has a miscarriage. 
I didn't like that episode at all. But why? I think up until that point, it, it just felt like an episode of them just doing ordinary things, sort of goofing around. And I just know none of the jokes had hit home with me. I didn't find much of it particularly funny. So that sort of emotional climax didn't feel earned, I suppose. It kind of felt like they were just having a normal episode and then they just dropped in. Oh, by the way, Cassandra's had a miscarriage and that's how we're going to end the episode. I think watching back on it now, it's a bit of a weird episode because it is a sad episode. Episode and you know it's about a serious topic and I feel like maybe in some ways they were a bit insensitive about that because when we were watching it I was crying but also like hysterically laughing when they went to the hospital because as they enter the hospital the nurse asked Del Boy are you Mr Trotter and then he gets dressed in the scrubs and they just kind of leave Rodney there yeah I mean there were it's not that I didn't find any bits of the episode funny and I think that sequence that was quite good. It was, it was, it was, cle- it was clever, well. yeah. But I think when they got in there, and you know, I did like the speech that Delboy had to Rodney outside the room, saying, you know, it is shit, but you can cry to me afterwards. Cassandra needs yeah. you now. You need to big it up, which I guess is a play on masculinity. Yeah, and I guess um, it kind of goes with the melancholy moments I said that I think the show does well. But I think also when you're covering such a, I don't know, such a strong topic that is so sad... I think it is quite good to have those moments where you can laugh because you know they don't want it to be doom and gloom. You don't want to be watching someone have a miscarriage. It's sad enough. I agree, but to even I even imply it, but I just don't think it felt earned within the episodes. I mean, Rodney sort of being freaked out about having a child and his place in the world, that only felt like a minor part of the episode. It didn't even feel like the main theme until that point. And then suddenly you drop that in, it didn't feel cohesive at all to me. No, I think... I think because it was so slow getting to that point, it was probably like 15 minutes away from the end that she had actually had the miscarriage, wasn't Probably it? less than... Probably 10 minutes even. Yeah, so like... I feel like if she had it earlier on in the episode and they weren't talking about Dale as much... I think if it could have been a really heartfelt moment yeah or I guess yeah a touching moment but I think if they had made the rest of the episodes more thematically linked because it kind of just felt like it came out of nowhere and it wasn't relevant to the rest of what was happening in the episode yeah I guess it was a bit wish-washy but I think that episode specifically it kind of did show us like the Only Fools and Horses take on masculinity the fact that he had a conversation to Rodney outside said you know don't cry now's not time for you to cry you can cry whenever you want to but you know it was quite nice because i feel like in the media nowadays men are being told you know don't cry Mm. whereas he was saying don't cry now because cassandra needs you but you know you can cry to me but I think I was also another thing I wanted to mention was I felt like I didn't connect with the show's version of masculinity, I guess. Or at the very least with Del Boy's aspiration of masculinity and what he thought it was to be a man. But I guess you would have clicked with Rodney's... Somewhat. Ma- like, masculinity. But even Rodney, I feel like he's at the very least trying to imitate Del Boy. I guess it's like, if you have an old sibling, he's looking up to Del Boy. I suppose. But, um, I don't know, I'd say that my version of masculinity is very different from that. You know, I'd say... Um, um, I mean, I don't like the, the the phrase soft boy, the way it's sort of been adapted into sort of, I guess, sort of a faux, sort of gentle version of a fuckboy. But I'd say I'm quite a soft boy in, in that regard. And what I've, is a soft boy? Um, so I guess the soft boy is the idea of someone that... Is it a nice guy, but without the bad of, intentions? No, it's almost the opposite. It's sort of, um, it's the idea of someone that plays to the fact that they're an emotional, gentle sort of 
they're like a man with feelings. Like Michael Sarah, I and, guess. But then they use that sort of as a way to try and attract women and be like, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I know what you sort mean. Sort of like, like a fuckboy, like... but being like, say for example, um, I've been list- I've been played for you quite a few times, the um, the new Pickle Darling oh, album. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna so that. imagine Lucas Mayo of Pickle Darling playing the tape to someone to try and sleep with them. Pretty much how you caught women. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I think the yeah, idea of using that oh I'm I'm, you know, a young man that's in He's touch not... with my emotions. Yeah, I guess, but you were never really into that kind of side of what you would get out with that. No. That is just what kind of guy you are. But that's what I'm saying is I don't necessarily like the way that the very soft boys being co opted yeah. into that. But I'd say, you know, I'm quite a soft person. I don't necessarily subscribe to the ideals of, you know, being tough and as the way of being masculine and I think it presents a certain type of man the idea of you've got a sort of you know you've got to be cunning and you've got to be sly and you've got to be a hustler and that's how you're a real bloke but I don't know if that's just because it's in London maybe they're a bit more stern in London I feel like it's more of a different lifestyle down here and also we can't forget this is like it's like almost 40 years ago I suppose. Um, I've all, I've quite often said there's a certain type of person. They start off as a lad, progress into a bloke, then eventually become a geezer. And I'm not a lad. I'll probably never be a bloke. I won't ever grow into a geezer. But do you think maybe that's more of a class thing? It... I think that's a class thing. I think because you've grown up and you've not really had that struggle, you've not had to do that hustling. Like you, you say you had a paper and when you're 14, but you didn't have a proper job until you were 22. Yeah, that's, that is true. And like, whereas I, I've the age of fourteen, I've worked solidly. Like, I've never had a massive gap between working. Whereas you, literally, have only started working in the last two years. But I suppose if you imagine a bloke, I guess one, of, I guess the idea of a bloke is bloke down the pub, bloke that's a hustler, bloke that's but Del streetwise. Boy, Delvoy isn't like that though, because he's so feminine, and Would he's you say? feminine. To, it, he kind of takes the piss because he's so feminine. Do you reckon? He How wears, so? He wears necklaces. He wears rings, which really aren't... They are feminine. Mm, not necessarily, because it could be a, sh- a sign of showing off what you've got. Yeah, but he wears feminine colours. He wears a feminine... He wore a silk robe to bed. He drinks those drinks, and they've got, like, sparklers and umbrellas coming out. I like suppose. The Gale cocktails. I'd say Del Boy's very far from being masculine. He's kind of creating this culture between fusing a London geezer and like a guy who's more in touch with his like feminine side he's like I feel like he's like the balance between that because like you see Del Boy you hear him in the club going oh sacre bleu sacre bleu and you'd think oh my god what an absolute idiot um so he describes himself as a yuppie quite a few times and I asked you whether he was doing that ironically or whether he actually does think of himself as a yuppie and you said that he does sort of consider himself a yuppie even if it's slightly misguided in a way. Yeah, I think he. Um, I wouldn't say he like necessarily sees himself majorly as yuppie. Or do you think he wants to present I himself as a yuppie? I think he wants people to believe he's a yuppie. He doesn't want people to think, oh, you know, there's Del Boy. He's never done anything with his life. Still living in the same place for all these years. And if I guess he sees someone from school and they see him in a fur coat with loads of jewelry, they think, you know, he must have money. I suppose. Do you think that's quite a working class thing to want to show how far you've come, sort of? Yeah, because like I. No, 
know this might be a bit stereotypical, but we watched a TV show where it was showed celebrities buying loads of stuff and all the black youths who had grown up like in rough backgrounds, the first thing they bought when they had a big paycheck was some jewellery. Was jewellery. Something, something that only exists to show how much wealth you've yeah. got. And the same with you know, Kanye West when he's singing and he says, you know, with the first paycheck I go and buy the clothes of the labels and stuff. But you imagine sort of a middle class rapper who hasn't struggled to grow up, doesn't necessarily feel the need to have that flex because I guess they don't they're not showing that they came from the bottom to the top. No, because you don't really see Drake massively flexing in the same way I would say. I suppose. As like Kanye I suppose if he did he would you wouldn't forgive it as much as you would from a Kanye or a Jay-Z yeah, and I think that's what Delboy tries to do. I think he wants to portray to the world that he's made something out of nothing, whether that's all the jewellery is fake or, like, flogged from the market from like, it's all from China. I think he just wants to put up that appearance that, you know, he's done something for himself, he's made a name for himself, which is think- what I think is really sad because, you know, he I guess he does in the end. He makes millions. Does he? Yeah, in that last episode, they said they made six and a half million. Oh, I thought that was a lie that they were coming up with. No, they had won loads of money and then they had just lost it Was that a callback to another another episode? I can't remember. So I guess they did make it. But I feel like him saying, oh, you know, this time next year we'll be millionaires and stuff. I think it's it's just sad. I think, you know, it's sad because he probably is trying to portray to everyone, including Rodney. So I think Rodney's dumb. And I think Del Boy's... He's telling Rodney all this stuff. And I think Rodney does somewhat believe it. And I think he's only doing it because, you know, he wants his brother to look up to him. He wants the best for his brother. Do you think that Rodney's dumb? I think he's naive, maybe, more than dumb. Because I, I felt that he was far more intelligent than Del Boy. I don't think he's dumb. I think he's naive. I think he believes a lot of what Del Boy says. I don't know. A and lot I of... think a lot of the time it seems like he doesn't. But I think, you know, when Del Boy's telling him, you know, I could have done this, I could have done that. I think he does believe it. I don't know. I kind of got the impression you were humouring him and that he kind of understood that, you know, Del Boy hasn't really achieved anything, but he wants to show Del Boy it's okay that you haven't done anything. And I believe you when you say you could have done it. It's just sad though, isn't it? I suppose. It's just a working class man trying to get out of that working class life. I think he's a character that always wants something more than what he's been handed in life. He always wants that one step more. And I think maybe it is a bit ridiculous that he's, you know, still flogging this shit when he could get a real job. But it's just sad because, you know, if you really like doing something and you really believe that you can succeed in that, you're gonna go through with it. Like, it's, it must be a sad life for Del Boy because I guess all he's ever known is the hustle. Like, in Rock and Chips, when Del Boy's a young lad, they show that, like, I think one of the times he has a has a van full of carpets that he's bought cheap off a guy and he's only looks like in maybe in his 20s in Rock and Chips, maybe. And he's, like, flogging them out the back of a van. Yeah, I, I think I think the melancholy of it is something they could have played on more, and I think that would have made me like the show more. But as it is, I think the humour is what stands in the way for me quite a lot of the time. But then I guess it is dated. Like, that humour, if you watch anything from that time, Bolty Towers and stuff like that, you'll watch it and you'll think, you know, that is very dated. I suppose, but I don't know, because, I mean, The Simpsons would have come out just as that was ending, or just as its original run was ending, at least. Yeah. And I think 
think the humour in The Simpsons is so much more layered than the humour of Only Falls and Horses. I think there was never any subversion of what I thought the joke was going to be. I could always think, okay, the joke's going to be this, and the joke would be what I thought it was every single time. I think The Simpsons probably took inspiration from Only Falls and Horses because it is a TV show where, you know, sad stuff does happen, but it does bring humour to that, and it kind of drops it into casual conversation. But the whole, like, that, the one with Maggie Substitute... The whole episode wasn't sad, but something big did happen that was sad. Same with Cassandra losing the baby. The episode itself wasn't, like, majority sad. I suppose, but maybe even if I'd found the episode majority funny. Yeah, but I think you haven't got a very British sense of humour. I suppose. You've got more of an American-style sense of humour. You don't like Gavin and Stacey. Probably won't like Faulty Towers. I'd say the one anomaly is, like, in-betweeners, but then I guess you also like, I like um, contemporary. Show. I like contemporary British sitcoms for the most part I like the IT crowd I like Peep Show and I like The Inbetweeners and I like The Misfits was kind of a sitcom in a way do you reckon you would have liked Only Fools and Horses more if you grew up watching it maybe maybe that's the point is that I I never watched it as a child and I think your mum because she's from France she never would have watched that and I think your dad he's never grown up in a working class family because his you know so dad's parents would have been quite well off as well. It doesn't seem to me that there's a struggle there. I feel like it's gonna more resonate with people who have had that, you know, maybe not as good start in life. And I guess it's not that maybe not as good start in life. It's that start where if it was me against Seb, I would definitely be underprivileged in that contest. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Doesn't mean that he's not happy in the life that he's got. Delboy and Rodney. It doesn't mean they're not happy in that life. But I feel like Delboy especially, he's got dreams. He wants to make it. And I think maybe he thinks to himself, you know, if I tell myself I'm gonna make it, I am gonna make it. Like the whole thing of I think therefore I am. So shortly after our first episode had been published, I think the same night, I'd received a message from my friend's She'd read the description of the episode and sent me a message saying, Molly likes Only Fools and Horses. Yikes. I said, I'm not a fan either, but, you know, I'm open to being turned around on it, I suppose. She said, it's rubbish, simple as, only old white people like it. And I sort of thought, well, maybe it's, maybe the point is that it speaks to a specific demographic, and if you're not very British, very white, very working class, it's not made for you. But it does... The thing is, with TV shows at that time, it has a really diverse cast. I suppose. It has a really diverse well, cast. Well, it has two black people, one no, of them. No, it has a lot of black people in it, and a lot, like, three of the main gang are black. And that, I'm not being funny, is quite a lot for no. probably 80s. Who, who was black apart from the one guy? Denzel, the guy who's friends with Mickey, M- Mikey, or whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, and then that other guy, well, I guess even Dr. Singh. I suppose, but is he a recurring character? There are, like, multicultural people in there. I suppose. There's an episode about a Chinese takeaway, and Del Boy sells on paint, but the paint is, like, a luminous paint. But it is... And they, like, do up the room, and it's, like, really bright. But it is predominantly a white show. And, okay, maybe not even not even considering race in it necessarily, but if you're not working class, British, it's not a show that's about you. And maybe it's a show that you're not going to understand. Maybe. But, like, I'm thinking a tower, tower block in Peckham. I guess it is a diverse place. But even the pub that they go to, it's called The Nag's Head. It is a British show. It's made for a British audience. People who don't live in Britain 
aren't going to understand it in the same way. It's the same as The Office. If they made an American version of this, then it would probably do well. It would have done well back in the 80s. But I think it's a bit of a stupid thing for someone to kind of make it out as if it's a racist show, as if the audience is only one group of people, because they clearly haven't seen enough of the show to realise it's not just about that. It's not about the main characters being white or the fact it is a British show. It deals with topics, death, you know, miscarriages, these are topics that they don't have a race it's not like only white people die but i do think it does specifically speak of the white working class experience not that not that there's anything inherently wrong with that but all the actual cast are white anyone that isn't is just a background character no and there's Den- nothing wrong denzel's with that. like one of the main characters mm, he's not one of the headline characters though you'd never see him on the cover of a dvd and he's not in every single episode the way that say cassandra is he's in every single pretty much every i single suppose episode. but he's never a key part of the plot no but i I think it's not fair to judge it on that and say it's a shit show because it only adheres to one group of people because then you can literally limit every show ever and say well it's not got very because I'm not being funny I'm sure there's not many many diverse people in Game of Thrones doesn't mean people are going to be like oh Game of Thrones is only made for white British men it's only made for white men so why couldn't she say that it's only for I suppose. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I. I did. I did take issue with the statement. But I did also say, aside from the race issue, if you're not working class and British, it's not a show that you're necessarily going to understand. And although she was raised working class, she's from and say I wasn't necessarily raised working class and also maybe I didn't have as British of an upbringing given that my mother was French and exposed me to a lot of French. I just think it's very small-minded to not like a show because it doesn't it isn't applied to you because then I can you know I can say oh well you know get out I can't go watch that I can't enjoy that because you know the main people are black and it's about the black experience. I suppose, but I think... I can still... I don't think it's unfair to say that you wouldn't necessarily understand something in that same way. No, I guess not, but I'd still say, like, in Get Out, I can understand... I can see um, his experience in Get Out and I can, you know, reflect that on my experience. Well, okay, so an example I came up with, um, and I'm not saying this is necessarily true, and it's quite a gross and inflammatory statement, but to say that white people don't understand hip-hop because it isn't made for them for the most part, I think you could apply a similar principle. Not that I necessarily agree with the idea that white people can't appreciate hip-hop or understand hip-hop or make hip-hop, but I do think that it speaks to a certain experience. yeah. Yeah, But then everything does. Like, you know... I probably am more inclined to see myself in Eminem's hip-hop than I am in Killer Mike's hip-hop. Do you know what I mean? We do see ourselves in people who are like us. And I can see where she's coming from, but I think it's, you know, it's not a great statement to say, you know, only white British people like it because... You know, I'm sure there's people who enjoy it who are not white. And, you know, Peckham is probably a really diverse area. And people probably watch it there who aren't white and enjoy it. No, I do agree. But I think what I'm saying is that um, a reason why someone might automatically think it's bad and not understand it is because it doesn't speak to their experience. Yeah, no, it caters to one experience. And And I don't think that's necessarily a valid reason to say it's bad. But I think it's reason enough to not understand it and not be drawn to it. And then maybe not even watch. 
and then say you just dislike it because of that. Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like people just need to give everything a shot. You know, you might say you hate it, and then you might watch it, and you might really like it. Like, American Pie, I thought I hated American Pie, then I watched it with Seven, and I actually really liked it. Or Run the Jewels. First time I listened to Run the Jewels, I hated it, and now I think they're alright. I think, you know, Only Fools and Horses, it isn't just funny. You know, there are points in it that actually are really heartfelt, and I think, although there's only a few moments where it's heartfelt, I think they're enough to make it a good show. I think it speaks to an experience which, you know, I didn't grow up in London. I grew up in one of the roughest neighbourhoods in Cornwall, and, you know, I can watch it and relate myself to that growing up in the 2000s. I guess it's more of a working class experience, but it's not bad. No, but you, I mean, you yourself said that you think that I don't necessarily understand it because I'm not working class enough. No, I think I think you've grown up in quite a sheltered life where you haven't known the hustle. But do you think that makes it fair for me to not necessarily understand the show as much? I think, no, because you do understand the show. If it's sad, you understand it's sad. But I don't necessarily relate to Del Boy as much. Like I said, I quite often saw him as quite a selfish character. Yeah, but I think also that the same thing with that is you haven't watched it growing up I suppose I guess yeah you don't understand what it's like growing up in that kind of situation you're not like really British to the bone like your parents are quite unconventional like I feel like the kind of people who enjoy Only Fools and Horses enjoy Frey Bento's pies and the meatballs in a can do you know what I mean yeah it's not a bad thing I think there's something quite humble about it I guess it's our version of, like, hip-hop music. Yeah, I suppose. Like, British sitcoms, because a lot of them are about the white experience. Okay, so I think this seems like a good point to take a... um, A little break. A good place to put in a tangent to maybe just talk about British sitcoms in general because I think my issue with Only Fools and Horses is that I always just lumped it in with every other British sitcom that I hadn't seen. We'll talk about that. So, did you watch any other sitcoms of that era growing up? Um, I briefly watched Faulty Towers occasionally with one of my mum's friends. Did you enjoy it? I remember enjoying it. I remember it being funny, a bit slapsticky, but I didn't really watch other stuff of that era. And I guess I didn't really watch any sitcoms past that until I was probably like 16, 17. And that's when I watched Garth Marenghi's Stark Place, which isn't really a sitcom. I guess it's more of a kind comedy. Kind of an experimental sitcom, I suppose. But I guess that would be the next thing. Yeah, it's kind thing. of its I didn't, own genre, I didn't I really... Sitcoms just... Or black books... I guess I watch. Yeah. But they just... Sitcoms I just don't really enjoy. Are there any other sitcoms that you enjoy aside from Only Fools and Horses, really? Well, Black Books, I guess. I suppose. But that's pretty much it. So, I don't know. Do you think that you could now, with your appreciation of Only Fools and Horses, go back and, I guess, enjoy the humour of those old shows? I think I probably could. I think I wouldn't have as much as an emotional connection to them because obviously a lot of it, you know, the memory of it is like watching it at my grandma's house. Do you think a lot of your feelings for the show come from the fact that you grew up watching it? I think when I was a kid, you know, I always looked up to my auntie. I always wanted to be like her, so I always wanted to like the same stuff as her because she was so close to me in age, about five years between us. And I really looked up to my grandma and granddad and they just love this show. So I think I just kind of took that on board and kind of just enjoyed it for that. And then now that I watch it more and more, as I grow up, I enjoy it more for the fact that 
I just find it funny. Do you think if you hadn't grown up with it, you would be able to enjoy it still now? I don't know. I don't think I'd ever go out of my way to watch it if I hadn't watched it before. Yeah, I suppose. Like, you'd have to have the DVDs of it, really. Yeah. Because you couldn't watch it. Yeah, you couldn't watch the whole thing on Netflix. Yeah. So what do you think makes that different from other sitcoms, aside from the fact that you've watched it growing up i just think there's a relatability in the characters that i find i just feel like they're quite humble characters i think they're flawed characters which i think you should see in the show and i think that's what stands out i think that's why i like black books as well because the main character you know he's a mean character and i think that's why i like it because it shows that he's not a good character he's a flawed character i mean for the most part when american sitcoms come up you dismiss them out of hand like what you're feeling on friends yeah i hate friends what are your feelings on how i met your mother I hate how i met your mother what are your feelings on seinfeld yeah i hate seinfeld have you ever watched an episode of seinfeld no but i know i'd hate it but and i hate that one where it's that other one that was huge the one about family which had the olsen twins in it full house yeah so what, what do you think is the difference between american sitcoms and british sitcoms really it's just a different experience i didn't grow up in america I so i don't know the American experience. Yeah, I suppose. I guess the takeaway is that although it's not essential to enjoying a sitcom, being able to relate to it is a big part of it. I think that's the difference between being able to relate to it. It gives you that emotional connection to it. It gives you that ability to sense when something's sad, even if the situation isn't sad. Like, every time Del Boy talks about his mother, when he was saying that he would put flowers on his mother's grave, and then Rodney said, I'm sorry, Del, I haven't been down there recently. There's so much to do. Like, life's just getting in the way. I just think it just makes me cry. Even thinking about it makes me cry. Yeah, you look like you might cry. I literally... It's just sad, isn't it? Because it's true. And yeah. I think that's... You know, you've not lost someone that close to you. No. I think when you will, you'll be able... I think you did understand that that was a touching moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a sad moment knowing that, like, they're not great characters, like, they're not great people, but they're normal people. You know, we can't go to the grave of the person we love every day. It's just not a possible thing. Yeah, and I suppose that's not an experience that I've ever really had. And I think a lot of the experience on the show are things that I've never necessarily dealt with myself. Yeah, I guess. Whether that's the human things of dealing with death or the working class ideas of having to struggle for what you've got. And maybe if one day I do have those experiences happen to me the show will click for me more I think it will I think if we ever you know lost a baby or something we'd look back on that episode and think oh shit that's actually really sad I thought it was even really sad when Del walks in and starts like hysterically crying and it is a funny moment because he's like telling Rodney to be strong and then he goes in and he starts weeping but it's just a normal human reaction especially when she blames herself for it it's just a sad moment yeah it was quite a sad touching moment and I think, yeah, maybe if I had been in that situation myself, You'd watching it back, t- yeah. It'd be like, click, wouldn't it? And it'd, yeah, I suppose. And I it'd think, be nice to see that on TV if you had had that happen to I, you. I suppose the main thing blocking me from really connecting with Only Fools and Horses is that the majority of the experiences in it I haven't necessarily had to deal with, both from a class perspective and just the fact that a lot of things I've not had to deal with yet in my own life. But I think maybe one day... Maybe if I read it. We can look it. back and, you know, watch in 20 years those time. episodes and it'd be really sad. I suppose you could draw a parallel between that and Art School Confidential, which is a movie that is unanimously not very well received. It has like a 5.4 on IMDb, but it's one of my favourite movies purely because... You can't relate to Yeah, because I've been to art school. I understand what it's like being at art school and everyone around you seems to be just producing this conceptual nonsense. yeah. 
and you just feel that you're not getting any wood despite having the Better ability. Off. So let's bring it to a close now, I suppose. Um, it's quite a contrast to the other episode, I suppose, because you didn't necessarily change your feelings on The Simpsons after having watched the episodes. No. Whereas I think I'm open to the idea that it is a good show and that i just not necessarily in a position to connect with it as much as some of the people that watch it do. Or watched it. Because I feel like watching it back then, you wouldn't have really seen people suffering from miscarriages back on TV then. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Like, it's probably quite a revolutionary thing to talk about on a sitcom. And... And race, like... Although it isn't a wide range of people, you know, one of Dale's best mates is black. And he's treating him like a normal person, which I know that's not being me being racist saying, oh, you know, it's crazy to treat him like a normal person. But, you know, there still would have been people having... Although you have said that they went back and edited out racist segments. I don't think they did, because that guy, he said... The kid was talking in a Yeah, that, that, that was really racist. That struck me as quite problematic. Yeah, but that was that weird episode, which was like a weird in-between episode, which I've yeah, never seen before. Yeah, that was a weird episode. Maybe also a big part of it, it's just not my specific taste in humour. Um, and I found that the, the melancholy moments much more they than the really humorous... They were really good, though, Much more than the humorous moments, because I found the humour to be formulaic and predictable... And I could guess what every joke was going to be before they'd even make it. But maybe that's just my own personal taste. And for some people, that's there's a comfort in that type of humour. I think for me, you know, I may not have changed your mind on it hugely. You may not love it now. But I feel like I've brought you around to the idea of... I know you would have realised that it's an important piece of television history. But I think now you can understand my connection to the characters. You can kind of see, you know, oh yeah, I thought Del Boy was a dickhead. But now you can kind of see, you know, he's not just a bad person. He is trying to do right by his family. You know, he's not a bad guy. And I think, I'm not going to lie, the humour can be a bit ridiculous. I don't know most of the references. But you kind of do watch it for those heartfelt moments, which is why I picked Jolly Boy's outing and also the Cassandra one. Because it does have that glimmer of humanity in it. So it's quite a different conclusion to the end of our Simpsons episode. I think I'm quite open to the idea that I'm just not in a position to understand the show, but it's not inherently a bad show and it's probably actually quite a good show. Whereas you weren't planning to change your views on The Simpsons any time at all. No. Um, do you think that's going to be a running theme throughout the show? Do you think that you're going to change your mind on things? I don't know, because I can be swayed. I have been swayed. Yeah, that's true. Quite, in quite a lot of the stuff that we do. Like, even the fact that we listen to Tyler, the creator, and I enjoy a few songs yeah. and stuff now. I think I can be swayed on something where I can see your point of view, but I think... I think you're going to be harder to win over in general than I am. Yeah. Because I think that I know that a lot of my biases are just through having not experienced something. Yeah. And not watched something. <laughs> So for episode three, I was thinking about a paragraph that I read in a book recently. Chuck Klosterman realised that he no longer actually hated musicians and bands, he just hated what they represented. And with that in mind, I think that we're going to be able to discuss what a certain artist represents when we go over their discography in the next episode. But until then... See you later, losers. Bye. Bye.